Well, good evening. Great to be here. Glad to see you all. Um, this is World Space Week. Did you know that? We're about halfway through it. World Space Week. You know, different days, different times of year have different designations. But this is World Space Week. And I've been, uh, I've been watching... Uh, on Sunday evenings, or at least recording on Sunday evenings, I think uh, a sort of reality show about becoming an astronaut, or at least astronaut training. Um, and it finished last Sunday, and I don't have that to watch anymore, which is a bit upsetting. But I do have a question in front of you on your tables tonight, which said, when you look, uh, which said, when you look up at the stars... What do you think? Okay? So when you look up at the stars, I'll come back over here in a minute, so don't be worried about that, you know. But I just wondered, what, um, what, do, what do you think when you, you look up? Yeah? How vast the universe is. How vast the universe is. Anything else that folk have been thinking? What an awesome God. What an awesome God. Absolutely awesome in the true sense of the word, not, not that loose sense that sometimes gets used. Did you have? How insignificant we are. How insignificant we are. Yeah, the, the, the psalmist says in Psalm 8, you know, you know, what is man or humanity such that you're this great God that's made all this wonderful stuff? Anything over here? The, come on, I can see loads in that bit. The first thing I put down was wow. Wow. Um, sometimes I feel dizzy. Uh, I, like, I quite like thinking about the fact that light takes ages to get to us, so some of them might not be there anymore. Yeah, it takes ages. I mean, although light travels uh, three times 10 to the 8 metres per second, it... Uh, it takes ages to get because they're so far away. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's incredible, isn't it? And uh, the, there was a great one over here when we first came in. Go on, Don. Somebody's nicked the tent. Somebody's nicked the tent. You know, that, that's what the camper thinks when they look up and see the stars. Somebody's nicked the tent above me. Um, but there was also uh, the, there was a couple here. Um, there, there was wow, which strange enough, have you been copying? No. Wow, you know, that's uh, um, what else? I put one of my favourite readings, which is um, who has measured the heavens with the breadth of his hand. In other words, it's that, that passage, it talks about God and how big he is. How big, how vast. Yeah. How vast God is and how vast the heavens are in Cliff Scotland. Well, I'm putting down here. I was over there initially, so I put only God could have created this, and oh, it's, it's, it's going to be a cold night, so. Wow. Yeah, only God could have done this. And, and there was another one here which says, How many can't I see? You know, we can see loads, we see the, uh, a vast number up there. But how many can we not see? How many? How, how many are there? Um, and uh, a couple of weeks ago, 
Uh, I was down in uh, Dorset on holiday and uh, we had the dog with us and the dog decided, because the dog was sharing the hotel room, the dog decided at four o'clock in the morning that he didn't want to stay in his bed anymore. And that meant I was going to have to take him out for a walk because uh, it was quite a small room. So I managed to find my way through the hotel. Fortunately, the, the, the lights were on, but all the five doors were shut. I'd find my way out through the hotel with the dog. And we went across and we went down to the beach. And it was completely deserted. And the whole of the sky was just open and vast and beautiful, clear. In my back garden next door, it's wonderful. You can really see the stars, but it was just so different. It was just so different. It was so big and uh, dark and yet light because of the stars that were there. Our reading uh, tonight has stars within it. <coughs> uh, and it's stars that are revealed to Abraham as part of a promise to him. Not how many can I not see, but how many can I see? So um, I'm going to read from uh, Genesis, which is not where the Bible's open at. Um, but it should be easy to find because it's right at the beginning of our Bibles. Genesis chapter 15. Um, which is on page 15 of our Bible. So that's convenient. Genesis 15 is on page 15. And I'm, I'm just going to read from verse 1 to verse 6. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Look up! At the heavens and count the stars if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abram believed the Lord. And he credited it to him as righteousness. The commentator Walter Brueggemann says this chapter is pivotal in the tradition of Abraham. 
And I guess that's um, not really much of a surprise, is it? Because it's got all this bit about the promise of there have got to be so many children, it's got to be more than you can possibly count. As many as the stars in the sky, if you can count them. Uh, and the chapter goes on to describe the future captivity in Egypt and also the release from Egypt, the Passover, the judgment that will come there, and details of the promised land that Abram's children will eventually know. But what we might miss as we look at those big bits, the stars in the sky, the promise of a land, the 400 years that are going to be in Egypt, is the subtlety of these first few words. The first few words of exchange between Abram and God. This is a discussion between Abram and the Lord about having faith, about trust. And it's picked up in the New Testament. Uh, Paul uses it twice, in, uh, once in Romans 4, uh, once in the letter to the Galatians, and it's also in James chapter 2. Abram believed the Lord and he, that's the Lord, credited it to him as righteousness. And it's in this first few words, these first um, six verses of chapter 15, that we first encounter the word Lord that is Adonai. Adonai. The Lord God speaks the opening words that we hear the angels say at Christmas, doesn't he? Do not be afraid. You know, how often do... Do not be afraid, I bring you glad tidings. You know, be it to be the shepherds on the hillside, or to the young Mary, or to somebody else. There's this sense of don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And that's don't be afraid of the angel is normally that message. But here the message is, do not be afraid, just don't be afraid. And Abram is afraid. He's afraid of the future. He's an old man who will bury him. He's an old man who's got to inherit, who's got to look after his wife, who will manage the men? It's got to be that distant relation from Damascus, isn't it? You know, that servant that's not really my inheritor that will be there. And as Abram ponders this, saying, you know, what's going on in my life? He's calling God Lord. And in that saying, Lord, it's not, it's not just uh, giving him a name. It's expressing a relationship. It's saying about who 
Abram is and who God is. It's a servant-lord relationship. Nowadays, we don't much like structures and things like that and hierarchy. But in our relationship with God, there is something important. Where I come from, uh, for about the past 500 years, something like that, most of the land round about the town is owned by the Duke of Buccleuch. And he's the, the second biggest, uh, no, he is the biggest landowner in Scotland. And uh, historically, the Duke had great control over not just the farming and the forestry and his estate, but because he owned so much land, he could control the expansion of the town. He could control the building of the businesses the building of new housing. It was from his land that the school was built on that I went to. When my parents had been young, um, it had been a nursery garden for the lodge, his hunting lodge that he used to go to, you know, or previously. Not him, but a previous Duke of Maclou used to go to. You know, everything was controlled and the use of Abraham of the name Adonai for God has that sense within it that the Lord is Lord over Abraham's life. He is the one that's going to decide the future. He is the one that has control. He is the one that Abraham is kind of tugging the forelock before and going... You know, Adonai is the greatest of landowners. Not just bits round about a town in Scotland. But he has the whole earth and his estate extends towards all the stars and beyond. But what strikes me here is that this Adonai, this Lord that has power over everything, shows great love. Even as Abram struggles with the idea of having to pass over his lordship, his flocks, his control, as he thinks to the future and says, who's going to inherit Who's going to be the heir? As Abram thinks that, God is planning the inheritance. Not just the inheritance that Abram will pass on, but something of his own inheritance, God's inheritance. The Lord is entrusting an inheritance of righteousness to Abram and to his children. He's calling them to be his family. And this is what the Lord is. The Lord Adonai. 
the Lord of all, the Lord that we have a relationship with, the Lord that we are to serve, but the Lord who has great love. Adonai, the Lord of all, offers a place to us in the inheritance. The gift that came at a great price is offered to us. We get an inheritance if we choose to journey with Jesus and make him our Lord and Saviour. Then we will, as it says in 1 Peter, get an inheritance that will never perish or spoil or fade.